On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing The Visitor from 1979, starring John Huston and Lance Hendrickson. Her name is Katie Collins, and she'll be eight years old. Welcome to another episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. I'm Brandon, and as always with me is your host... Colin! <laughs> hey everybody, it's me, I'm Colin. Cult Cinema Cavalcade is a bi-weekly movie podcast that finds Colin and myself discussing a film from cinema's past considered, but not limited, to being a cult classic. And so you folks know every episode will include plot spoilers and may contain some harsh language. Today we're here to discuss the 1979 film, The Visitor. Colin, can you give us a little plot synopsis of The Visitor? The soul of a young girl with telekinetic powers becomes the prize in a fight between the forces of God and the devil. The film is directed by Giulio Paradisi under the guise of Michael J. Paradise. It features four writers and stars John Huston, Lance Henriksen, Joan Nail, Paige Connor, Glenn Ford, Shelley Winters, and Sam Peckinpah. And if you're keeping track at home, yes, that's two legendary directors in this film. It's, as it's, actors. It's ridiculous that there are so many actors in this movie that are big names. And then you've got two people that are, like you said, famous, but not even actors. I don't know what would have drawn them to do this movie. Two, two directors who became legendary drunks, mind you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that John Huston was drunk during the production of this movie. <laughs> It probably helped them understand the material a little better. <laughs> or at least get through the material, more importantly. Right. Yeah, it's got a lot of names for like people we recognize now and people that were probably bigger at the time, too. But we'll dig into all that in a little bit. Right now, we're on iTunes face and Facebook. Leave us your iTunes reviews. Leave us comments on Facebook. Do you have movies you want to see us do? We're not against doing suggestions. And yeah, once again, I'm going to tell you that Twitter and email are, as they say in the movies, coming soon. So, with that out of the way, we have a big movie to discuss today, so let's get right to it. Cullen, let's talk The Visitor. It's a movie that disappeared off the face of the earth. I guess it went up with John Huston to see uh, Blonde Jesus uh, for many <laughs> years and notably resurfaced in 2010 from Code Red DVD a little independent company, and then Drafthouse Films kind of famously brought it back. In uh, 2013, they did a little VOD and minimal theater run with a Blu-ray in 2014 that's uh, been quite popular. So I, didn't even, I didn't know that it was out before Drafthouse Films. That's, I, I, that's nuts to me. Because I, I thought it, like, it came out in 79 and then nothing. I thought it just disappeared like, like Drafthouse Films, like 
like find found it like wherever the Ark of the Covenant is like kept. They found it there and they've released it. Yeah. Well, Code Red DVD. I mean, they probably brought it out, but it wasn't with. It was definitely more of a cult following that would know about it because it's a very independent DVD and Blu-ray distributor. The guy basically, it's the equivalent of like selling it out of his trunk. I mean, he he does get the <laughs> he does have the rights and licenses to these things, but it's a very personal thing. I own many releases uh, from the company. I mean, the envelope comes and it looks like he just printed out my address on his computer and cut it out and taped it to the envelope. It's not very professional. It's very Hey, I'm doing it myself, and I mean, he's, uh, if you've ever seen, his name's Bill, if you've ever <laughs> seen his like Facebook post or on message boards, he's not afraid to speak his mind about what he thinks about shipping you things and stuff like that. It's <laughs> it's quite humorous, but some people get quite offended by him at times. He does, does commentaries co- on things, too. Oh, really? With, with commentaries? Actual, yeah, he'll get, like, stars and directors to sit down and do commentaries oh. with him. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was just like him like sitting down like, I didn't like this part of the movie very much. What do you folks think? I had nothing to do with it. Right. I just bought the rights to it and burned a DVD for you at home. Yeah, he's more the, he plays more of the moderator role that keeps, okay. keeps the conversation going. Well, that's, well, that's, that's cool. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so let's start in on this story. It's a, it's a very complex one. We, we open the movie... Uh, seems on some other planet with a robed figure that's John Huston as this sort of sun or moon rises and a, another robed figure comes through it as it gets cloudier. Yeah, like the the the, the robed figure that's walking um, like across the horizon. Like it it almost looks like like it's not even like they like come across the horizon. It's more like they materialize, they kind of fade into existence is what it looks like as they're walking out of the sun. And it's really unnatural and kind of unsettling. And I think that's, that's part of what makes this, the, the opening scene is really the best part of the movie. It's really just downhill after that, unfortunately, because it, it is actually really haunting and it kind of actually sets like a really good tone for the movie. Yeah, it's it's some of the best like uh, an Italian horror director can offer with this nightmare logic and these dreamscapes things that they can create. And if this were a better movie, like or a more known movie, this would be iconic. This would be huge. I mean, it's well shot. It works well. Like you said, it's very haunting. It's chilling. But then the movie follows it afterwards. So. Yeah. It's to the movie's own detriment that there's more movie following like the first three minutes. Yeah, this is like yeah. perfect, this opening. I mean, it's creepy. This yeah. insulation's flying around, and there's this little figure, this girl under the cl- uh, the opposite cloak of John Huston, and just with eyes open. and then Yeah, the, the, they're like gleaming... Like like soulless eyes. They're 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 very very creepy, and it's the only part of this girl's body that isn't covered in this insulation. So that makes it even more unsettling and more pronounced. Yeah, and then she disappears, and the weather clears, and John Houston walks away, and and then we're taken to this white room with this botanical room with. It's like a botanical garden. Yeah, and there's this blonde Jesus guy, played by Franco Nero, who, if that name's not familiar to you, it's probably because you've grown up in America, but this guy is like a worldwide sensation, especially in Italy. Think of our biggest stars, and he might be bigger than them 
from back in the day. He notably played the original Django in those those movies that Tarantino was inspired to make Django Unchained, which he did give him a cameo in it, but a lot of people might know him as the bad guy from Die Hard 2, Die Harder. <laughs> What, what, what a, what a part of your legacy! How wonderful that you're known yeah. for was, Die Hard too. I mean, it was supposed to be his big American transition, but that's, <laughs> that's it. I mean, he's he, he should if he was in any other Die Hard, that probably would have worked, but not for Die Hard too. Yeah, so he's there and he's he's telling a story to these kids. Yeah, these little. Like like bald children just hanging out in this room, and he, it turns out that uh, what, there's this uh, mutant alien called Satine. Ah, nudge, nudge. Yeah, exactly. Came to Earth, and it was evil apparently. And uh, there was this guy that hunted him down, and he he killed uh, killed him with birds. Killed him with birds. I somehow say uh, Satine's weakness is is birds apparently, but it but he didn't completely die because he was able to breed with with women. So his evil spirit or or whatever was able to live on through generations. And the descendants of the other alien that fought against Satine tried to hunt down the people that held the genes of Satine, right? That's that's kind of what he says. Yeah, it's it's something, uh, if you're watching for the first time, you're not going to pick up on it, you're not going to carry it, because you have, like, in order for this to get your attention to make sense, you have to know what happened in the rest of the movie. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, We've and, we have watched this three times, and it has only now started to make sense. There's still parts of the movie where you're like, "What? Why is that happening?" But listening to Blonde Space Jesus, it makes sense a, a little bit more. You're still going to be confused and it, lost, but it, you'll get it more. It gives you a better sense of the conflict in the film because I mean, the first time you watch it, you're going to be like, "Okay, because evil." Like that's. Pretty much, yeah. you have to like yeah. chalk it up to, and then this time, watch around, and you know, I'm, t- I'm taking notes this time, so it's a little more involved. But I was like, oh, well, okay, this is starting to make a little more sense. Yeah. And, and I've like, you know, I've read about, it and I saw like the the bonus features on uh, the Blu-ray for this thing, and it turns out that the visitor was supposed to be a, mainly an Exorcist ripoff, and now that I know that. I can watch it a little more clearly, and it makes a little more sense. Yeah, I mean, this thing is a, a rip-off of rip. I mean, it's it's Exorcist, The Omen, The Birds, Close Encounters of the Third Time. There's Star Wars in here. I mean, they just, rather than just be, oh, what should we knock off? What's popular? I'm like, this, 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 and this. Like, let's do all of it. <laughs> like, 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 if this movie were made now... The little girl would be Katniss Everdeen, and like John Huston's character would be Iron Man. That's pretty, that's, yeah, that's pretty accurate right there. It's, yeah. John Huston walks in at the end of the story, and uh, the, the kids kind of cra- crawl around him, and he says, Her name is Katie Collins, and she'll be eight years old. And then, ba-da! 
The first of many random appearances of that epic theme song to appear in the film. Yeah, I hope you like it because you're going to get plenty of it. But not when you're expecting. Oh, no, no, no. It's it's really the theme of stair walking. People going upstairs or downstairs, you're going to hear that theme. So that's how they build tension or I don't I don't get it. It's pretty comical. The further you get in the film, the more it plays. Uh, so from there, we're transported to Atlanta, Georgia, uh, a professional basketball game where we get to see Lance Henricks. He plays Raymond, the owner. And we're also introduced to Katie Collins, who immediately wants us to evoke that. Oh, it's Linda Blair. But uh, yeah, especially when she, she's wearing like the sunglasses and it covers up more of her face, but like her features seem more pronounced. So it looks like a lot like Linda Blair. If I, if I didn't know that this wasn't supposed to be like an exorcist, mainly an exorcist ripoff, I wouldn't have really thought about it. But now that I know that I think, Oh my gosh, she really does look like Linda Blair. You can totally tell what they're trying to do. Yeah. The further the film goes, you're like, eh, not so much, but I mean, immediately that's what it evokes. Mm -hmm. So they have this, this basketball game, which I'm not sure if they're keeping score right, but it ends up being like a one point game with a couple seconds left. And this guy from the opposing team is driving to the basket, and you can see Katie Collins giving this stink eye, evil eye, and he goes <laughs> up to slam dunk it, and the minute it gets by the hoop, boom, explosion. It's like like there's like dynamite inside the. Like I was watching, I was like, "What is, it, is she gonna like? Is his knee gonna give out? Is that what she's doing?" Is... Like no, there's. It looks like there's a bomb in the backboard. It just blow, and that guy flies back, and it's it's crazy. And you wonder, like, what was the, what was the point of her doing? Because it's clear that she's the one that's behind it. What? Why would she? Does she hate San Francisco? Because that's what the opposing team is. It didn't... I don't know why she would use her powers that way. Because things will happen later on, but there's there's no stakes in the basketball ownership in this movie. There's nothing that goes... Yeah, Lance Hendrickson is the the owner of this Atlanta team. Is she, like, rooting for... For him? He wants that team to... She wants that team to do well? Is that what it is? It's it's really weird, but we then we then cut over to like a bedroom scene with Lance Hendrickson. He's dating Katie Collins' mother Barbara. They're smoking in bed, you know. And it's at seventy nine. It's seventy nine, and they got a big bearskin rug or, <laughs> or or blankets, I guess. Yes, and he's all about you know wants some commitment. He wants to marry, and and Barbara's like, I can't marry you or anyone she's like you treat me like a normal person but i'm not a normal person i can't explain it and we've later find that her daughter scares her and that has made her not want any more children at all 
And then like, all right, they're, they're done with that. She turns him down. And Barbara, Katie's mom, comes home to see Katie sitting in front of a huge projection screen with Pong on it. And she's sitting in front of it with her back turned to her mother with like a hawk on her arm, just sitting there like a serial killer waiting for yes. like her next victim. And like her mom comes home and she turns around and she like kind of throws the hawk up and it flies and it zips right past your mom's face. Right. And you know what? To be fair to Barbara, she should be scared of her daughter if that's what she comes home to. Right. Barbara should have taken the option for the walk of shame the next morning. Like that's. <laughs> At least it'll be you know daytime and I can I can see things more clearly if she comes at me. Right. So Katie ends up telling her she wants a brother. Yeah. It. It. That. that that's really the whole point of the scene, I guess. Just like. That, that's really her driving motivation through the whole film is just to keep pushing her mom towards Lance Hendrickson to get them to bone because she wants a, a brother very, very much. And we'll, we'll talk about why she wants a brother yeah. in a little bit. Uh, John Huston shows up. He, he left the botanical garden. He shows up at the airport. Yes. And, and, and here's the thing. I got the impression that the botanical gardens were like some kind of heaven, right? Or something. Right, yeah. So it seems to me that if you're leaving a heaven place and you're coming to earth, you could go anywhere. However, he shows up at the airport with a passport. It yeah. just seems kind of like, why are you, why are you, why are you giving into bureaucracy? Why don't you just go wherever the hell you need to go? Which the guy, the guy at the airport you know, asked him, he's like, it's my first time. And he's like, I'm a visitor. And you just want the music to pump right after that? It doesn't. Have you been to the United States before? My first time. What is the purpose of your trip? I'm a visitor. Either that or for him to look into the camera and wink. He then goes from the airport to this rooftop of this building, and he's Mm -hmm. with this bald guy in a uh, red hoodie, and then he's he looks around, he's like, okay, and then all these guys start bringing stuff up to the rooftop. Yeah, there is zero explanation at this point, or at any point, what happens on that rooftop. So, the rooftop will continue to be a, a, a setting, but it's never explained who the hell those other people are, or really what he is. Yeah. No, you're like, oh, what's this going to be? And you feel it's building to tell you, but... Uh, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. doesn't. Anytime you see uh, a, a roof scene, get ready to be bored and confused for for about anywhere from 10 seconds to 2 minutes. Very... <laughs> yes. Raymond Lance Henriksen, he goes into this board meeting with these guys who are like, telling him, oh, we've invested a lot in you, and they then reveal that Barbara's womb has the ability to produce children with Satine's power, and Mm -hmm. basically they want him to have sex with her to have a boy that be Katie's half-brother so this boy and Katie can mate and that, is that what it was? And that that child hopefully will resurrect Satine. 
I did not pick that up at all. Like I thought they just wanted like another kid. I didn't realize they wanted like the half brother and sister to make Satine. Yeah, I thought it was that... I thought it was just like we want another one because I thought like this this whole time the whole movie they're so adamant on um Barbara uh Katie's mother having another kid. I thought like, well, if Katie has the genes of Satine, why don't they just wait and then she can have a kid and who cares? I didn't realize that was the whole point. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Another yeah. wrinkle. But I mean, their plan too, it's like, well, that's going to take a couple, you know, some years. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. If they're playing the long game, I mean, yeah, they might as well just wait for Katie to become of age so she can get pregnant by, you know, two different people and then just do that because at least Katie is a willing participant in it, whereas Barbara has no idea what's going on. So everything about this situation is a battle to get her pregnant. These guys are just very, very poor at planning things out. Right. And by the time by the time Katie would be um by the time the boy would be old enough Katie would probably be of age where it would not only be incest, but it'd be statutory rape, probably, on her behalf, too. Incestic statutory yeah. rape? Well, I, I think if you're trying to recreate the the mutant alien Satine, incest and uh, statutory rape is really not your greatest concern, True. to be fair. True. They're, they're a council of evil people. And I don't think Katie's going to tell anybody, because she uh, seems to be pretty game for this but yeah so that they have that meeting and we go now to katie's birthday party because she she'll be eight years old <laughs> and then she sees a bird and then john houston's there watching yeah he it's like in the basement she, right yeah well it's like that's like a split level or, or something i'm not 100 percent sure of the geography of this house but what happens is she's looking out like a i don't know like a like a sliding glass door or like the wall is a window or whatever john houston walks up she looks up at him like oh crap it's john houston she blinks or looks away and then john houston's just gone like well wait john houston if your whole goal is to get this girl why are you revealing yourself and then doing nothing at all afterwards <laughs> that's what it is. he shows up like oh, there she is all right, whatever. And then he just kind of hangs in the background a little bit. Like, later, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's really... really... You think maybe he's behind some of this stuff, but then he... Maybe he's not, but... Because she ends up... She finds this package, this present she opens, and it's a handgun. And yeah. she... She's waving around. She runs over, and she's like, Bobby, Bobby, look what I got. And she tosses the handgun... This is this is one of my favorite moments. That's <laughs> just so. It's so bizarre, so strange, so shocking. She tosses it. It hits the coffee table, and lets out a shot that hits her mom right in the back. mom looks at her like how could you and, it, and it's like oh crap and immediately cut to hospital well like, no what, the- what 
her mom like gives her the look like how could you and then katie gives kind of shrugs like oh yeah she goes man she makes like a manner face to her like yeah whatever. It, it's like whatever right like that's the face she gives her mom after shooting her in the back like like accidentally it's not even an accident because she throws the gun. To, it's so weird. Yeah, it's so weird. And then we quickly, your mom's in the hospital. She's paralyzed. We see Katie. She does gymnastics. And, like, yeah. she yeah, talks yeah, to yeah. her coach. And her coach is concerned. And she's like, what, 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 I don't care. They go home. And Shelly Winter shows up. She's she's a caretaker. They, mm-hmm. they install the, the little elevator um at the house but shelly winters comes over introduced herself she's a caretaker and then we go back to john houston on the roof with some bald guys and these boxes with shadow figures it, it fuck it doesn't make sense uh <laughs> and now we're into the the short glenn ford section of the film yes he's a detective on the case but we don't do we know that when he starts stalking katie's school bus at the time I, I- I think earlier uh, you, you see Glenn Ford briefly, and it, I think he is driving a car that has like a police emblem on the side of it. When he follows Katie to school, the emblem is not there, though. Yeah, he follows her school bus, and every kid gets out of the school bus. He walks over because she hadn't come out, and she comes out afterwards. Yeah, like she must have came up at the driver's side, although the driver isn't in the bus, so... Was she driving the bus? It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It's a little weird. But then Glenn Ford like starts talking to her about stuff. The, the scene happens where she's she's swearing at him occasionally, and she tell like he ask um he he will ask her like what happened to the gun that got thrown on the table, and she goes like come in close, and she whispers in his ear. <laughs> it's up your ass and then she just runs away right but which was the perfect capper for that scene because that that whole scene feels like it was written by someone who does not have a great command of the english language what are you begging me for uh well i i I just uh i wanted to talk to you katie i thought maybe if you wouldn't mind i'd like to ask you a question yeah, now, isn't there something that you'd like to say to me that you haven't said before? Yeah. What's that? You fuck yourself. Now, wait, wait a minute here. Now, that's that's no way for us to get started, is it? Hey, look at me. Now, listen, I could, uh, I could wait in the car, you know, until you finish class. Is that what you want? I don't like you. You're a child molester. I bet you do dirty things to children. You know, I'm worried about you. Jesus, everybody's worried about me. Susan, my mama, grandmama, they had to go worry about themselves. Worry hogs, worry warts. Don't worry about some perverts like you. I'm smarter than all. Well, maybe you are. Maybe you are. But let me tell you what, let me ask you just one last question, and then I promise I won't, uh, I won't ask you anything else. What happened to the gift your aunt gave you for your birthday? You better write it down. Like, like, like it feels like someone like they know what English is, but they don't understand how words are emphasized or how like a conversation would happen. Every sentence makes sense, but like the next sentence after it doesn't. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So then after after this, Glenn Ford 
investigates the house, and he winds up being attacked by birds, gets in his car, still getting attacked, and then he crashes his car and blows up, and Glenn Ford has exited the movie. Yeah, exactly. In- instead he does of... have a scene, a, a nonsense scene with his, uh, his police captain, where he's like, ah, I don't think she's really... Yeah, Kid something cool. just doesn't add up here. And he's yeah. like, ah, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Like, it, that's his boss. It all ends up being, like, irrelevant because he dies the next scene. And he <laughs> just entered the movie, does. like, two minutes prior. And he's Glenn Ford. He's somebody. Yeah, he's a big name. He was absolutely. in Superman the previous year. <laughs> yes, the most profitable uh, movie, I believe, up to that point. He, and it was an expensive movie. Here's Glenn and... Ford's next <laughs> Superman. The Visitor. <sighs> Happy birthday to me. <laughs> so, but when when the bird attacks him in the car, instead of pulling over, he's still driving the car. Why wouldn't you pull your damn car over? Yeah. It's not like he's on the interstate. He's on, like, you know... Like a city straight, just pull the damn car over and get away from the bird, Glenn Ford. Maybe a bird flew under the car and chewed the brake line? Well, that would have been a good thing to show. (laughs) But what I love when he runs, (laughs) when he crashes the car, it runs like off the side of the road. It's down a hill and it's next to a, a baseball field. And there's all these people, you know, at the game. And. They're running over what ends up they want to help Glenn Ford, but it looks like they're running over there to attack him because there's all these guys. They're not wearing shirts. There's one guy like holding a baseball bat, but he's like holding it and like pumping it in the air as he's yes, running yes. over. <laughs> it's like, how better dare that son of a bitch ruin our baseball game? Let's get him. Yeah. But then he burns to death. Burns so to death. And and then we go from this to the the uh, the legendary ice skating sequence of the visitor, <laughs> where Katie Collins is ice skating at the mall, and John Houston is there on the endless staircase. Yes, he, it, he just cannot get down it. It's like if if uh, like Lancelot, Sir Lancelot from Monty Python and the Holy Grail was going down a flight of stairs. It really does look like yes, he's a, made zero progress the entire time. It's that it's that do 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 do. And then there's and then, but it's played seriously. Yes. As a matter of fact, it's another scene where the main theme music hits. Yes. And, and you know what? John Houston didn't need to be in this scene. Like, there's nothing. Like, he just yeah. watched it. Like, she's ice skating, and then these guys decide, like, hey, let's get her. And then yeah. she beats him up, and this crazy sequence of them being ch- being chased, and then, like, th- while, like, violently throwing them out of the ice rink. Yes, I, I will go one further and say this entire scene didn't need to happen. It doesn't advance the plot at all. It's we true. already know. We already know that she's evil. So why does 
her skating and chucking people through windows advance anything especially it's not like if it was like the first time that john houston and this girl were in the same scene together that would be something but it's not even that there is zero point to this other than we shot it there's a stair scene so we have to play the music that's the best idea i can think of that they would put it in the movie in hindsight i'm it's it's very entertaining so I guess I'm glad it's there, but... Uh, I mean, if you like train wrecks, I guess it's a good scene. Yes. Yeah, okay, so at home, John Houston comes over to babysit Katie while Raymond and Barbara go to dinner. Like, he mm-hmm. shows up, mm-hmm. and that's your babysitter? <laughs> John, I, I'd be like, I'm going to stay in if John Houston showed up as... Knowing, this, considering the guy was uh, incestic child molester in Chinatown, uh, <laughs> this, and he's this, dressed very similar in this movie. Yes, this this geriatric man dressed in safari gear coming over to babysit your daughter. Yeah, but you know they're that's how it is. And then uh, Barbara and. Uh, Raymond are on their way to get to this dinner, and he's like, "Oh, it's gonna be a big night. You're gonna. I'm glad you came." And she calls him a cripple molester. Yes, yes, he. That's absolutely right. <laughs> so they, well, he says, "Like, well, I would if you'd give me a chance." Or he said something like that, like, "Ugh, yeah. you've upped the bar on disgusting. Yes. Good job." So, so they go to this dinner, and of course, he proposes to her in front of this big group of people. Which pisses Barbara off. And then we go back to John Houston and Katie are playing ping pong. And Katie, Katie's all, you want to kill me? And he just tells her, I want you to come away with me. And when his friends arrive, he says when his friends arrive, they'll go. Yes, they, they couldn't have been more vague. But like, when he says his friends arrive, like, are his friends the people on that roof? <laughs> you know? Like, like, who are his friends? Yeah, it. Yeah, he has friends at that roof, but yeah. maybe not those friends. So Barbara breaks up with Raymond over the proposal thing, and uh, she gets home, and Katie left her a letter that said she needed to marry Raymond. Yes, because she wants uh, a, a, a that, brother. That yeah. brother. And then so that night, Katie comes into bed while Raymond calls. Well, what happens is Barbara's in bed, the phone rings and it turns out Katie's in there and she springs up and throws the phone like in Barbara's ear like it's a phone call for you and she jumps and it and it's very reasonable because that's super creepy that her daughter's just in her bed with her just out of nowhere right and even creepier is uh she gets the phone while Raymond's on there and she goes hello Raymond hi Katie yeah wouldn't it be great if we were all here together you and Mama could make love, and I would have a baby brother. Oh, Katie, it's getting so out of hand. That's not true, Mother. Raymond, you can talk her into it, can't you? Oh, yeah, she says this while she's, like, snuggling with her mom. Yeah, and then Barbara continues to talk to Lance Hendrickson on the phone, and Katie, like, snuggles and, like, rubs her nose on her mom's cheek and, like, kisses her while she's talking to Lance Hendrickson. Yeah, it's oh, so Lance Lance Anderson goes back to the committee, and they decided to say, "Hey, we're done with you. We're gonna go a different route." 
with this yeah. uh, Barbara pregnancy thing. So then Barbara is at the airport and this to, huh? to hopefully see off Lance Hendrickson, but yeah. it turns out he's gone for like 40 minutes of the movie. He's just gone. He's just gone. So she meets up with this stranger and he wants Kate. They go looking for Katie cause she's missing at the airport and mm-hmm. the stranger wants is trying to convince Katie to convince her mom to go with him. No, but, that's the that's the doctor, the doctor. Doctor, not Doctor Wells. I can't remember his name, but it's the doctor that was. It's part of the council yes. or, or whatever they're called. But is also the doctor that was like um, in the X-ray scene at the earlier point in the movie. We've never seen these two talk, but apparently they know each other. Right. So. Obviously, she doesn't go with him, and she's driving home, and they pull to the side of the road, and this semi-truck stops in front of them. And uh, and the way it's lit up, it looks like, oh, man, it's like a spaceship. This or is going to get DeLorean. cool. And... A spaceship or a DeLorean <laughs> is going to come out of it. It's, so something like it's cool and weird, and it's like, oh, that's no, just a semi. It's just it's just a semi. Yeah, and the Barbara's getting scared, and Katie's like all giddy back there. And then these men in white suits come out, and I guess Barbara fell unconscious at some point because they pull her out of the car. And then we get these like surgery scenes going on, it's a little blood. Yeah, yeah, I guess that they do perform surgery on her in the back of the semi. I guess. Yeah, and then these two guys pull over. There's there's two black guys done stereotypically black, um, mm-hmm. pull over. And Barbara and Katie just passed out in the car. Hey, man. This don't look so good. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, they got a lot of crazy mothers running around out there. No way you're coming from. Tell you what. We gonna check this out real quick, like, first. Because I ain't about to be getting my butt shot off. Listen, Billy. You take this one for yourself. I just remember. I ain't supposed to be working tonight. I'm gonna unemploy. No, man. You coming with me. Come on, get your butt out of here, man. You want to walk, sir? Oh, shit. It's some old crazy-ass drunk woman on a kid. Hey, mama, we here to fix your car. Yeah, I was like, my mom doesn't feel good. And that's like the end of the scene. Then it cuts to... The uh, roof. <laughs> yeah, where it, it looks like the trauma skyline in yes. the background. <laughs> and there's just like lights and it looks like a runway. Yes, exactly. Like the, like uh, there's like lights on the sides and then like the middle part of it like it glows with this blue light. And that's it. Nothing happens in this scene at all. It's just John Huston on a rooftop looking at some lights and then well, it's, I, I, it's I, over. I guess my friends aren't coming tonight. <laughs> they weren't ready for Katie, I yeah. guess. So so then he and we keep calling him John Huston. He doesn't really have a name. It's, uh, I think he, he, it's mentioned once when he comes to babysit. It's like Jersey, I think. Okay. I think that's his name. That's the only time he he ever uses his name. Yeah. So he visits Barbara and he explains to her that she is the key to unexplained forces of power. And he tells her she's pregnant with a child conceived of hatred for this world and says the child must never see the light of day. So he leaves and she just spins her wheelchair around. She's crazy. Exactly. Motivated then, just by what he said. And like, literally, it goes on for 
God, like 30 seconds or something where she's just like zipping around and zipping around in a circle in her wheelchair. And if it could get she- any weirder, Shelly Winters is watching it and then goes off singing uh, Shortening Bread. And this little baby likes shortening. Shortening. And this little baby likes shortening. Yeah, Mom love shortening. shortening. Mom loves shortening. Like, okay, just, only in the visitor. I want to grab the director and shake him. Like, what was the you? You did one part of the scene that made sense, where she was told that she was pregnant with evil. Made sense. Everything after that was superfluous and stupid. And what's what's extra hilarious is that. She is spinning around and spinning around and freaking out. And then she just scoots out the door in her wheelchair. <laughs> the door that's just wide open. John Houston just left it open, I guess. And she just, just just goes out like nothing happening. And then, like you said, Shelley Winter's just like, well, I guess it's time to sing and walks away. Yeah. It's so weird. So so Barbara goes to visit a doctor who's her ex-husband, played by Sam Peckinpah, physically, but not vocally, because they dubbed him. Yeah. And, How far would you say we're into the movie at this point? We're well over an hour. Oh We've never seen him before. Yeah. We we only learn He's that his father. Yeah, we we only learn that it's uh her ex-husband because like someone kind of like mentions it under their breath like it's, in it's the scene. It's quick dub. The reason Peck and Paul got dubbed is he was they were having trouble with him getting his lines and he kept forgetting to make that connection. <laughs> and well I, the audience wouldn't make it either right. and i i don't i don't think it's important that he is but it is because she asked him for an abortion so at this point i don't think barbara knows who the hell she can trust so i think mm-hmm. having him be the ex-husband makes sense why she would just go to a doctor but luckily he performs abortions just right there just just on the spot sure you know, it, hop on the table. And there's this weird moment, like, they go into this extended lobby waiting room. That's The yeah. chairs are set like a class, and she's like, let's go in your office. He's like, well, this is kind of my office now. And then this guy and a baby just walk in there for, like, three seconds and then leave. It's not like, they don't come in like, oh, there's people in here, I should go. They come in, just yeah. stand there. And you think because they're talking, because she's talking about how she kind of understands that these people are evil and they've done things to her. So you would think that maybe this guy that walked in with the baby was actually part of the uh, the council or, or, or whatever, the, the bad people that are, you know, he's associated with them. It turns out, no, he's just a guy walking around with a baby. <laughs> it's crazy. So the Katie comes home and she's like, where's my mom? And Shelly Winters slaps her. And yeah, they have this really like they try to out crazy each other is what the scene seems to be, because like Shelly Winters' eyes get like huge, like not just when she's yelling, but she kind of shakes her and her eyes get crazy, just big. Yeah, it's it's weird. So Katie runs, just. Oh, I'm running. She finds this abandoned building, and then doors are slamming open and shut. And John Houston and yeah. his bald <laughs> group of older bald gents just pop up places. Yeah. And then John Houston leaves and hides in a hot dog stand. <laughs> That's right. And this I guy's don't know. Like, hey man. He's like, hi. And like, he makes like this 
motion like he's telling him you know to be quiet you know how, how you would you know you put like your your finger over your mouth to tell someone to be quiet but he makes like a kissy face when he does right, it yes and then she comes out and uses her telepathic powers to take a fire escape ladder and or the whole fire escape and crash it on to the hot dog stand and and, and then you know what happens after that John Houston pokes his head out and yes! then he just like strolls away from it. Right. And then she goes in this like dark room with like mirrors. This is just all this crazy. But then she starts shattering all the mirrors because John Houston appears in some of them. And, and, and then she's um, she has like a southern accent, I guess, probably an Atlanta accent. And. It's funny to hear her like swear in this scene. She's like, "Come on out, you old bastard! Where are you, old man? Where are you? Come out, you bastard! Come out! Come out! Come out! Come out! Bastard! Bastard!" It's just so like what? the intensity. The intensity is just God. <laughs> it's like she's like stomping her feet, almost having a tantrum. But she's evil, breaking windows with her mind. I don't know. It's it's bizarre. Yeah. So then Barbara comes home, all, all tuckered out from the abortion, attacked by a bird, and then yeah, Shelley Winters shows well, well, up. Well, well, Barbara, like, hides, hides, like, in a closet, I guess. I I guess that's what it is, because you can't see anything else in there. Like, there's only, like, a light hitting uh, Barbara, but you can't see... Like, she's hiding, like, in the nexus of the universe. It is the darkest room, except for the light that hits her. Right. And then Shelly Winters shows up and says, you know, I was sent here to protect you. But what good does that do when Katie comes in, takes her mom in a wheelchair, and just drives her into a fish tank? Like, just yeah. shattering it everywhere. Yeah. I don't understand what her motivation is. She wants her to have uh, a baby. Why is she trying to greatly injure her mother even more? Yeah, Barbara has the worst time ever in this movie. She's constantly... She's paralyzed in this movie. She's abused. Getting attacked by birds, getting shoved in aquariums. Her daughter is an absolute shit. Getting impregnated by evil. Yeah, so so we go back to the roof now, and there's dialogue up there with Shelley Winters and John Houston. And, you know, John Houston says it's it's almost over, and she asks she wants to know where he goes to, and he says his home's far away beyond imagination, but I still need to take uh, airplane to the airport to get here and there and <laughs> so was... if, it's a, if, if it's a place beyond imagination is that like the place from the never-ending story because that's what i understood that movie to be <laughs> very possible uh <laughs> she wants to go with him but he says no one may enter except the children and i guess him and blonde jesus I guess, like when I when I heard that, I thought, like, what the hell does that mean? But it took me a second, and I real, I thought, like, oh, it must be like <sighs> the other, like, descendants or people that carry the genes of Satine. I guess that's what it was. Like once I realized that, it made some kind of sense, other than like, ah, I just got a bunch of blonde children to run some ficuses, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, man. So so these guys take Katie, and Barbara has her with, like, normal doctors analyzing her. and Yeah, but, but, but it cuts, like, from that rooftop scene directly to her, like, someone, um, like, a doctor, like, shaking her. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. So she's trying to get a regular help, and while that happens, there is a light show on the roof. Like, yeah, it's going down, just blinky, 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 blah, 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 blah. Like, Music like, score hits big, you know. It's... Yeah. Like, I, I wrote for my notes on this, I wrote Troma Roof, bunch of stars or some shit. Because that's what it was. <laughs> and we don't know what comes of that. Uh... Yeah, because no, nothing happens. That's the end of the scene. A bunch of balls of light, like, uh,. Circles of light because balls indicate that it's three dimensional. No, it's just a circle of light on the top of the roof, just like just like spinning around each other, just circling for a while, and then the scene ends. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Barbara comes home. Katie was supposed to be still at the hospital, but she is there playing pong, and then she just her hair is like over her face mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they beats the hell out of Barbara. Like this woman keeps getting abused, but guess yeah, what? Like, she spins around. She's got like a yeah. glowing rotten face. Right. So, but guess what? Raymond's there and they <laughs> take her to the, to the, uh, the, the top the, of the, the stairs, the top of the stair, the elevator. And he begins to put this wire around her neck and they're going to hang her. Yeah, like they She's put her like in the, the the motorized chair that runs up and down the stairs. They wrap that around the neck, and yeah. then they wrap it around like a pillar at the top of the stairs. Yeah, and then while this is happening, like clouds start coming down from the sky and then forming into like bird things. Yeah, that's when uh, when John Euston is on the top of a roof again. Yes, and he's just hanging out, and then there's like an explosion in the sky. Or in space, we're not a hundred percent certain. But then, like, yeah, like, like graphic birds, you know, you know, like, uh, like, like Chiron birds, like appear, and yeah, and then, and then that, that's it. And then the house starts to shake, and then like glass shatters, and Katie's hair starts to go statically, and then birds, there's like lights coming in, and birds flying in from everywhere, and they, they cut the the wire around Barbara's neck. And they start flying around Katie, but I think they were trying to tell us there were good birds and bad birds like dueling during this. Did you get that? Because there was white Is birds, that was what and then there was, was like happening? dark birds, and we had seen people, good people attacked by dark birds the whole movie. So I felt like I'm like, is this like the good and evil birds, like God's birds and Satine's birds, like going at it? Oh, maybe I didn't I didn't think about that at all. Oh, uh, and by the way, uh, don't worry, folks. When the birds explode through the windows. Da 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 da. da. Yeah, that yeah. absolutely happens. That plays and, the entire scene. Yeah, and so they start swarming around Katie, and then one comes up and confronts Lance Henriksen, and it it looks like some. Like ta- a, it looks like a table decoration that someone's like holding up at the camera, like hey. It and, absolutely does. But then, like the bird's beak, like extends into this blade and like stabs him right in the neck. Like yeah, he makes no effort head. to move. He's just like, well, that's weird. And then it just jabs him right in his jugular. Yeah, it's just a boom, like right there. It was, it, it was insane. And so after, during all this, John Houston shows up, of course, because 
he shows up at the end of everything. And then we go back to the committee. There was this guy that would let Lance Henriksen in and out of the committee. This guy, I don't know what he was to them, but he's walking through all the committee and like everybody's there dead. So maybe this guy was like an inside job or something like a double agent. But or maybe it was just like a guy that it was just his job to like serve these people water and clean, like, you know, clean the house. And he's like, man, everybody's dead. Like they are totally going to pin yeah. me for this. And so and they, they want us to think like the birds got these guys, right? Is that what they want? I, us to- I don't know. I, I figured what I figured happened was the birds didn't so much kill Katie as killed the evil part of her, I guess. And because that happened, that killed that that council as well. I guess that's that's the best I can figure how it happened. That's what that's what a lot of this movie is. That's the best I can figure how this happened. So, <laughs> so then we get Houston comes back to Jesus, blonde Jesus, and he has bald Katie with her to introduce to everybody. And he says, she thought I wanted to kill her. I can't kill children, only the evil part. And Jesus seems happy, and we see the sun, and... And that's how The Visitor ends. And when you watch it your first try, you will immediately ask, what did I just watch? Yes, exactly. You were entertained, but what did I just watch? The second time I watched this movie, I wondered what I just watched. This time, I, I picked up on it a little bit more. This time, I kind of got angry at the movie. About an hour into it, I was just done with it. I wanted it to be over so I could do anything else with my time. So the first hour, you're puzzled, but you're entertained. After that, it is a, a bit maddening. And also, um, since this is... Uh, about Satine uh, and his genes and, and all that. I wonder, like, is the beginning of the movie, like, in hell? Or is it a different planet? And, like, at the end of the movie when they show the sun, is that the sun of hell? I don't entirely get that part of it. Or maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Or is that the... Is that the planet that uh, Satine comes from? Is that it? Or maybe it's like some in-between dimension meeting grounds where good and evil can come to... I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that whole planet Yeah, that whole planet thing really doesn't... Yeah, the best part of the movie makes the least amount of sense. sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Basically, I mean, the movie is about... The, we have this group of people, this battle of good and evil, Satan and God, and basically... People have satanic powers on Earth. Mm-hmm. Like some mm-hmm. some people can birth like these possibly Satan powered people, and then there's the God people where John Houston's his messenger that comes to take these kids before they realize their powers to mm-hmm. take them back to God to harness them for good. You know, I think if anything, this movie is. A lot like uh, Rosemary's Baby, except like one kid is already out. You know, that's kind of how it, it feels like to yeah. me. And and of course, the ending is much much different. 
It's not as dark as Rosemary's Baby, but... So this could be Rosemary's Baby 2? <laughs> Rosemary Harder. Now we move on to bonus features. This is our segment where Cullen and I take a look at some IMDb trivia tidbits and discuss them a little bit, maybe call BS on them. Uh, First off, the bedroom scene between Barbara and Raymond was totally improvised. Yes, I 100% believe that. That was a scene that... I mean, it was kind of important, but at the same time, it, as you watched it, you felt, why is this in the movie? Yeah, but it was establishing that the mother was afraid of the daughter and that she didn't want any more kids or commitment. It was the first instance of that. Yeah, I, and, and that is, like I said, it's important, but at the same time, it's just so loose. Like We know now that it's important, but when you're watching it the first time, it feels like, why is this in the movie? But now yeah. that I've watched it three times, I know that it is actually important to the movie. Okay. Uh, according to an interview with Paige Connor, Shelley Winters smacked Connor for real several times while both rehearsing and filming, and filming a key confrontation scene with her. I'm guessing that's when Katie came and was like, where's my mom? And she was like, smack. Yeah, that was the crazy off scene. That's that had to be what was happening. Yeah, I could I could see the Shelley Winters having a dark side. I, I I can see that. She had some hard times probably on the Poseidon Adventure, and she was uh, you know, channeling that through the the visitor probably. And then finally, Paige Connor wore a bald cap for her scene in the greenhouse. All the other kids in the greenhouse scenes had their heads shaved. Reminds me of, uh... In the name of the visitor, I would shave my head for the art! <laughs> but all the... It must not have been pilot season, because otherwise those kids... Well, well, I mean, if it's... Well, I was going to say, if it was made in Italy, that wouldn't matter, but it was shot in Atlanta, so that would matter, I guess. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, well, no one... No one's career really went anywhere after this, except for Lance Hendrickson. This was pretty much the end of everyone else's career. Okay. The, the, the next best thing that Shelley Winters did was be on Roseanne. There <laughs> you go. Now we've come to the part of the show where we rate the movie we just discussed. Uh, as we are cult cinema cavalcade, we try to be cute and theme our uh, ratings to be like cult type items uh our choices are to stay with your family that's where you didn't care for the film you don't get what the the hubbub is about it you probably don't want to watch it again there's converted where yeah you get it you like the film you definitely saw what was entertaining about it uh, and would recommend and then drink of the kool-aid it's uh you're crazy about this one you think it's awesome uh you would definitely go to the moon and back with john houston so colin <laughs> colin yeah. how do you rate the visitor oh, man this is this is tough um as as i've said i've seen this thing three times so i don't hate it I didn't hate it the first two times. This time, I kind of started to resent it. Uh, 
But I think that it is a movie that if you enjoy bad movies and you are mystified by things that are bizarre, I do think it is worth seeing. So I will say that I think I'm converted, I think. I know that's very, very, uh, the way I presented it was very half-assed, but I, I think I'm converted on it. It's for that first hour alone, like I said, you will just your jaw will be open through most of the movie. And if you're with anyone, you'll look over at them and say, what the fuck am I watching? So for that, it's worth it. All right. Me, I am going to drink the Kool-Aid on The Visitor. Really? Uh, I think it's just a bizarre, it's a fascinating failure of a film that I, I think some of it, like, like I said, the opening sequences is like, there's some masterfully done stuff here, but none of it goes together. <laughs> Nothing fits. Yes. It's really, it's weird. They have they have some just crowd-pleasing, hilarious moments for me, like the, the tossing the gun that shoots the mother's back. I know that sounds <laughs> demented, but watch the film and try not to just go, oh my god, what did like I you, just see? You will scream with laughter because it's just so out of place and bizarre because she opens up a box and like, oh, there's a gun. Isn't that neat? And then she runs with it in her hand, not like loosely. She's running like mommy, po- mommy. Like like pointing it around, waving it in the air at the other people at her birthday party. And then her mother is shot in the back. Part part of the thing I like about this with the continual watches is my slow way of like trying to make sense of this, learning more about it, ma- feeling like I'm putting something together when I'm I'm absolutely mm-hmm. probably not. Folks, this is, this is just, like the writer on the Blu-ray even goes, I don't know what the hell this was. I, he just said he wanted this and this. It's 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 really crazy. It it is fascinating. It's bizarre. It was just so weird to me. There's I mean, there's visuals in here that are absolutely terrific, but it's wasted because it's on the visitor. But they're yeah. still terrific. Uh, and like there are a lot of parts where like where it shows like. Uh... Katie and the way that the light is hitting her eyes, it it does look supernatural. And all it is, it's just you know, like the light reflecting off her eyes, but it's just at an angle and the intensity of it. It's it's very creepy. It's very yeah. creepy. I will say, while I am drinking the Kool-Aid, I have seen the visitor now three times within the past year that I probably will give it a break for a little bit. I probably won't oh, <laughs> will be a little bit before I go back to it. But yeah, it's I, I'm fascinated by this failure. That's that's where I'm going to leave that. And the funny thing is, on Rotten Tomatoes, Colin, can, have you looked at it on Rotten Tomatoes? I have not. I'd like you to guess the score, the critic score for The Visitor on Rotten Tomatoes. 68. 100%. What?! They what? love this stink bomb. Yeah, they it's rated at 100% for the reasons we would recommend it to somebody. So that's oh, why it's wow. at 100%. It's not at 100% like, this is some unheralded masterpiece. It's a, oh my gosh, you have to see this crazy film. Like, that's what all the... It's only got 13 critic reviews, but they're mm-hmm. all like, what is this? Oh my gosh, you got to see it. You got It's like almost like a, a dare film with all of them <laughs> in the reviews. It's it's the two girls one cup of, of of a movie. That's what this is. Very true. It's yeah. It's crazy, and you know maybe more people pick up on the visitor, but who knows? Hey!
Hey, Colin. Yes? October's coming up, so that means horror movies, right? Ooh. I watch them up and down year-round, but I know more people get into it the more fall season gets close to October. So on the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing the 1972 horror film Blood Freak, a one-time feature rated X for violence. The film is only available on DVD, but if you're looking around, I'm sure you can find it elsewhere. So our episode has come to an end. We appreciate you for joining us. Uh, just a heads up, neither of us have seen Blood Freak. We don't know how that's going to go, so we're optimistic. Yes. But we don't know what it's going to be like. Stay tuned for that excitement next week. And we, w- we look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer to next week's film, Blood Freak. The trailer that actually trails. See Blood Freak, horrifying addicted monster whose thirst for an addict's blood will lead you to a horror beyond belief. Blood Freak, to survive, addicts must die. See Blood Freak's horrifying revenge for the woman he loves.
Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find more of Cullen's work on the A Touch of Crass podcast, also found on the Dead Radio Entertainment Network, and on Twitter, at my name is Cullen. You can find my work at Naptown Nerd, and I also post reviews on whysoblue.com. My Twitter handle is at BTPeters. Our producer is Brad Shoemaker, podcast edited by Brandon. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf, found on the freemusicarchive.org website. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio, and no infringement is intended. Please join us again in two weeks for our next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. I'm a blood freak. (laughs) (laughs) That's the trailer. That's all it is. Freaking for blood.